I mean, losing a child, it's, it's unimaginable, something unimaginable to go through. Mm-hmm. But sport in a way, running in a way, saved me. Saved me from sadness for the rest of my life. I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast once again. My name is Matt Dixon. As ever, I will be serving as your host. And this week, well, this is what it is all about. We are talking about incredible personal performance this week. I want you to prepare to be inspired. Now, so often the pros get all the spotlight. But I ask you, what is performance? Is it only crossing the finish line first? Is the pursuit of improvement only about going faster? I suggest not. And as you'll find out today, sometimes performance can be about building a critical platform for actually rebuilding your life. For today's guest, training, community and coaching led her out of the depths of tragedy, despair and chronic fatigue. Marina Gelman adopted an athletic mindset and emerged from one of the saddest and lowest experiences that any of us should have to go through and carved herself into becoming an athlete. I hope today that you finish with an evolved perspective about what performance is and how and why adopting an athlete's mindset can help be a catalyst for your own journey. This is a special one. Fasten your seatbelt and bring the tissues. But before we dive into the meat and potatoes, I want you to let me put my little salesman hat on. You see, this week is the only week that you're going to have the opportunity to order the special Purple Patch cycling and triathlon gear. If you love good kits... This is the week because we're closing the store on Friday, April the 6th, and you won't be able to order again this year. Now, as you may know, the 2018 Pantone is purple. I didn't know that, but I was told it. Well, that meant for the first time, we're going to put purple in a purple patch kit. But with that became my challenge. How do we achieve this without making everyone look like a plum on a bike? Well, I turned to someone I know, good friend Cesar Vialba, who's the head designer for Coach, and I asked Cesar, can you weave your magic? Can you create a refined and classic looking cycling kit that's going to be wonderful to wear and most importantly, make me not look like a big plum on a bike? Well, he did his magic and he has created perfection in my mind. Delivered via Wadi Inc. The stores close on April the 6th. That's this Friday. You won't get another chance. So if you'd love a great looking kit that happens to have a little Purple Patch logo on it, head to purplepatchfitness.com right on the front page. This is your chance. Just get any order in before April 6th. Now I'll take my salesman hat off and we'll get on with word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the way. Let's open the book. It's time to This week, it's really words of the week. This week, we're talking about process, not outcome. Or as you might say, process, not outcome. Yep, the words of the week are there, but the sentiment is critical. You see, whether in a training or racing mindset, these are words to live by. So many athletes and people come to Purple Patch or approach their daily training with a leading focus of results and outcomes. I want to break five hours in a half Ironman. I want to podium. I want to go under 30 minutes in my swim. I want to qualify. These are all lovely goals. They're good anchors. They might be catalysts for you getting up for your early morning workouts, but they're not the central focus on a daily basis. In fact, we should take a page from Bill Walsh, legendary football coach, whose title of his book was very simple, The Results Take Care of Themselves. And this was all based on Bill's demand of his players and everyone in the organization. On the elements that they can control, he asked for perfection. The focus was on the doing. And he believed, rightly, that if the doing was as close to perfect as possible, and then the results winning Super Bowls, winning games, would naturally take care of themselves. So I challenge you, instead of being results-focused the whole time, adopt a focus of personal development and improvement. 
Place your mind on the elements that make up your performance, whatever your mission and goal, and do those as well as you can be. You have your mindset absolutely centered around the things you can control, doing the basics very, very well consistently. And then on race day, go and put them together, all in process, focus on the things you can control, and guess what? Your best results will flow from it. And if you don't believe me, take the Purple Patch Pros. We never talk about winning. We never talk about trying to beat someone else. Instead, we talk in terms of controlling what we can control and doing the things that will contribute to our own performance as well as we possibly can. And that is why we consistently refer to the word or phrase of the week, maybe process, not outcome. Or coming back to my English, process, not outcome. And I suggest that you do the same. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, guys. Yes, the meat and potatoes. And today, well, we've had so much success over the last weeks and months talking to many inspirational people. I thought we'd start with a disappointment today. We're going to be joined by a very special friend, an athlete of Purple Patch. To be honest, I think Marina's going to blow you away. Marina Gelman, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Matt, for having me. We are going to go on a uh, an emotional journey, I think, over the uh, the coming thirty or so minutes. And uh, but let's dive in. Let's uh, let's create some context first, I should say. And I think the first thing. With a, I, I do detect a subtle accent in there. Why don't you give us a, a little bit of a background of, of you growing up, where you grew up, and because uh, you weren't born in the States, no? No, I was born in Odessa, Ukraine. I immigrated to America in the late 70s. I went to Hill Business College, got married at 21. That's Russian culture. You get married really early. Had one child at 22, one child at 24. And I got divorced at 38 and have been a single parent ever since. Single parent ever since. So before we talk about the next chapters of your, your story, your performance story that we're going to dive into today, I want to fast forward to the now. Okay, so let, let's actually bring you all the way up and, um, and maybe confuse listeners a little bit. So, uh, so currently, you're EA to the CEO at Arxon Technologies. Yes. So you've got a great job. You've got your family. You've got two brothers that you have a yes. great relationship with, a daughter, uh, son-in-law in the army, a granddaughter. Yes. Rachel, yes. And, and 18 months. And, and 18 months and, uh, and a little dog. Yes. Well, not a little. Not a little one. Lab. A, a lab. Yeah. Okay. So we'll call it that by the name of Carlos. Charlie. Charlie. No, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're a half Ironman finisher. Yes. Uh, which half Ironman did you finish? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So, so not an easy one overall. So to me, it sounds like you're thriving. Everything's, yes, yes. Uh, everything's great. Uh, so some might say, well, why, are we, why have we chosen a, a random age grouper who you're not a pro? No. You're not a CEO. I wish I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wish you were, but you're not a pro. Uh, yes. You haven't finished on the podium yet. So why are not we yet. talking? Like, not There's yet. always hope. There is always hope. Yeah. So, so let's go back a little bit. So we have your background. Yeah. So I want to get into, I want to get into exercise yeah. first, and and how you first started exercising because you're growing up as a, as a as a Russian in Ukraine. So, uh, well, in my family, my dad and my grandfather did not believe that girls should exercise. So they were actually bribing teachers, PE teachers. So his daughters and my granddaughter would never exercise. I never exercised until I was 34 years old. Wow. That's so, just not at all. Not at all. I tried one time. I tried uh, volleyball and I loved it, but I also played piano and someone said to my mom, she's going to ruin her hands to play piano. That was the last time I did anything. Yeah. Goodness me. So what, what was the catalyst at 34 when you first started exercising? So we opened a business in Ukraine, my husband and I, and he was living in Ukraine at the time. And I was living with the girls here in America, and I decided, I mean, I was going to visit him anyway. I decided to be cute when I visited him. So I wanted to get into my skinny jeans. And at 34, I tried to find a gym. 
mm-hmm. near my work that I could do something at lunch. And I found a step aerobic class. And I started going to that class every lunchtime. I got success. I started looking better. After uh, step aerobic classes, the teacher, Lynn Whitlow, she was also a trainer in the gym. So I decided, okay, well, maybe I need to lift weights too. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm already lifting, doing strength training three times a week, step aerobics every lunchtime. And Lynn was a runner, and she ran a New York marathon. So one day I asked her, do you think I can run too? She goes, you probably can, but you can't if you're smoking one pack a day. I'm Russian. We all smoked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I decided I'm going to try running, and I quit smoking. So it, she, Lynn would tell me, go run three blocks, go run five blocks, go run Lake Merced. I mean, every run was a personal record. It was the most glorious time. I was so happy. One day, she told me to run Crystal Springs, 12 miles loop. So I went and I ran 12 miles and I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. I went back to the gym and I said, Lynn, I just finished 12 miles. She looked at me and she said, how long did it take you? And I said, told her the time and she goes, too long. And that was it. (laughs) I was so mad that next weekend I did the same run 10 minutes faster. And to me, that's the day I became an athlete because that was the second run was the first time ever did I go for improvement versus looking good, looking skinny, exercising. So you, you shifted, you felt like at that point yeah. of, uh, of into sort of what would become really cemented in your, in your world, in your fabric of right. who you are as an athletic mindset, which we will talk about. Right. But, but something interrupted that journey, that athletic journey that, that you had a, a tragic event in your right. life. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. So the year was 2000, and my daughter and I, we got a call that uh, our oldest, my oldest daughter, Rachel, uh, she was in a car with three other kids. There were total three kids, and they were driving home from college, and they were in a car accident, and two kids died. Uh, what happened was um, someone cut them off. The boy was driving. Someone cut them off. And they went to veer to the right. And a minute before, someone stopped with a flat tire. And when they veered to the right, they hit the car that stopped. And my daughter and the boy died instantly. The girl that was in the back survived. Goodness me. And uh, you were 40 at yeah. the time. Yeah. Was that right? So you were, you were six years into, uh, into sort of the... The journey to adopting a athletic right. mindset, let's call it that. But, but by this time, you're a single parent. I was a single parent. I finished three marathons by then. And, but when that happened, I, I mean, it's really hard to move forward, to go on. I, um, I worked for Blue Martini Software at the time and, uh, my company went public just a few months before. I was the only EA, the only off, you know, the only everything to everybody. And my CEO said to me at the time, take as much time as you want. But me being at home, I could hardly breathe. I couldn't even think. So I went to work two days after it happened. And to me, it was better to be at work than to be at home and think about what happened. So for the next two years, I didn't, the only thing I did was work and Go home, eat. Mm-hmm. I ballooned to 200 pounds. Yep. Uh, but something with me, I was a runner and I loved mountain. I loved looking outside and loved running. So a few years into it, I think one day I said, okay, this is it. I, this is enough. I can't do this anymore. I can't be home anymore. I felt trapped. So I bought nicotine gum. Because I also started smoking, smoking at the time again. to write <laughs> again, yeah. Well, that's bought, your Russian genetics coming right. out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you deal with stress? You of eat course, and yeah. you smoke. So I bought nicotine gum and I went running. And, and yeah. And uh, and you, you you started to move back into exercise, but yes. but tragedy was was not over for you. Shortly no. afterwards, there was yeah. another event. Yeah. And my father passed away from a heart attack and. Unfortunately, at, at that time, 
I had a different mindset. I said to myself, I'm not going to go and gain weight anymore. And I'm not going to smoke anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to exercise. It made total sense to me. I At that time, I had a running coach. He was a track coach. So he would give me uh, my plan, my workouts, which was six days a week running. Uh, and I had easy days and tempo runs and long runs and speed work once a week. The problem was speed work was once a week, but every other run I did fast because I had so much pain in me that I just had to run it off. It was releasing it. Yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, that, that became the smoking and the eating, but almost became the obsession of exercise right. within a all of the components of a classic uh, track sort of based training sessions right. in many ways, but, but you were managing these major events in your life with sort of understandable obsession let's right. call it that yeah. right so i uh, i ran six days a week and then i did exercises at lunch and then sometimes two a day two at a time <laughs> i mean teachers tend to see me as like why are you leaving there's another spinning class why don't you join us for the second spinning class and i go yeah why not you know so that became what i did for a while until gradually i got sick. It was my body stopped responding. I I would go to the track and uh, I couldn't keep the speed anymore. I was just going down and down. My coach had no idea how to deal with it. He didn't understand overtraining at the time. And then one day I stopped going to the track because I couldn't run anymore. And it became, you know, diagnosed as chronic fatigue and uh, that was it. Yeah, that so was it was. Uh, so it was. An, so that must have been a, a plummeting of not just your physical ability, but uh, your, your emotional state as well. It yeah. was crazy, and it the the thing what always I feel saved me is because I have athlete's mind. If I have a problem, you find a doctor, and you find a doctor, and you solve it. And if you don't, if you don't find the right doctor, then you continue looking. So it's always been. You know, so I be- became my passion and my mission to find a solution. And and, and you reached out. So, so this is about the time of your journey, our right. journey together, that you reached out to right. Purple Patch. At the time, this time, two thousand seven or so, you were you were basically at your your lowest point physically yes. and yep. and emotionally. I mean, we can say that the sick is the right word. You were you were very low and at that state that um that you reached out to me, you reached out to Purple Patch. And, uh, and I've always, I've always, uh, I can't remember, to be honest, what your catalyst was for reaching out. And so sort of go back in time a little bit and talk about when we first, what we first, when we first met and what the catalyst was. And, and I, I want you to paint a picture of, of what your life was like, because you were talking about doing exercise classes, you were talking about going to the track, that was not the marina that I met. No. So where were you at physically? And then what was the catalyst for reaching out to Okay, Purple so Patch? I reached out to you in 2012. Okay. Okay, and uh, after many, many different treatments, one of them being cortisol treatment for adrenal fatigue, I gained massive amount of weight. And when I reached out to you, I was 240 pounds. It okay. was massive, crazy. I found out about you from Iguana Running Club. Martina Jones, who was the president at the time, mm-hmm. uh, invited you to speak at our annual meeting. Um, this is a historic, very well-known club in San Francisco. Yes, it's a women's running club women's that I belonged to for many, many years. Yeah, I didn't attend the meeting, but she took some notes and she sent it out. And I remember reading notes. I don't remember everything it said. I only remember two things. One was that you had chronic fatigue and you actually recovered. And another one, I remember that you said that you don't believe slow runners should run 22 miles because they're slow, you know, with too much damage. And I remember I've always run 22 miles for every marathon training. I mean, for my two marathons, I did 26 miles. Before my actual marathon. She did a marathon before you did the marathon. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, really? So I thought, okay, that, that sort of clicked. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, you've recovered from chronic fatigue. I'm going to contact you. Maybe you can help me to and, recover. And at, and at this point, you'd, it's, it's fair to say, I mean, 
you, you couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. I it, wasn't walking up. I, I was walking outside for about two hours a day. I worked part-time, mm-hmm. which helped me. I mean, I had a lot of time on my hands. Uh, I was using elevator to get to my first floor in my building. I had sleep apnea. I had to use a machine, which I didn't use, but I had to use a machine, I sure. was told. And I also remember at that time looking over one of my doctor's shoulders and it said a beast next to my name, which totally freaked me out because that's not how I see myself. Well, well right there, because I think that's quite interesting. You decide at this point, you are, there are no track sessions going on. You right. are walking very slowly, right. uh, just for your sanity, but you still have this athlete's mindset. And you right. look in the mirror, you, you see an athlete, um, and yet you can't walk up stairs. You have to take the elevator up to your, right. your, um, your building. So let's go to the why. We're, we're at the time very, performance-driven company. We still are a performance-driven company. And um, do you remember goals that you had when yeah. you came? What was the mission that you two, came with? I had two goals. And one goal was to recover from fatigue that I had. And the second goal was to run three miles. That's all I really wanted. If I could run three miles, then I can run a marathon. If I just run three miles, I can build from there. So it's uh, it, it really was ground... It really was ground zero in yeah. many ways. You know, I'm really uh, glad you have bigger goals for me than yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't do that. So uh, you remember our first conversation? I, I, I remember uh, our first conversation. I don't remember the content of it, though. Do you remember that? Is it? Well, I, I couldn't find a journal, but I wrote a couple of things in my journal after we spoke, and it said, this coach is going to change my life. That's mm-hmm. what I wrote. I remember that you gave me hope. And I remember that you said, okay, now we start work. I remember that. And I remember how excited I was, you know, that, you know, you said, yes. And I, I remember also asking you, do you think I can run a 10K? And you said, yes. I said, when? And you said, eight months, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, I pulled that one out from my behind. That's, <laughs> you you got to create hope sometime. <laughs> um but but you had uh, I mean the twin the the first training program yeah. was was walking and yeah. uh, and some strength if I remember and I was yeah. I was very keen to get you sort of riding on a bicycle but uh, uh, but I I, rem- I do remember that one of the first things saying you have to get back to the mindset of being an athlete and uh, one of the very first work maybe not the first week maybe I remember you gave me a workout for every day. And I wasn't used to doing anything every day. I was resting after. If I would exercise, I would need rest. That's how my mind was at the time. And I remember doing something two days in a row and writing to you and saying, I feel so stressed. Do you remember what you responded? No. We're really <laughs> <You>, toughen up. <laughs> you said, it's not going to kill you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... So hang, so now we've got to join the dots because now you're a half Ironman finisher. And, yeah. um, uh, so we, we managed to get you over a relatively short period of time exercising consistently. Yep. And, um, and, the, and things were moving in a positive direction. And, yep. and, uh, and I have to say at this point, it's, uh, it, it, you had to go through a journey before me that set up the platform to get you there. So, right. uh, so I, I don't want this to, I don't want your story to come across as I came in as the savior. I think that there was a, a catalyst and a perfect timing of our meeting that right. helped get there. And uh, your body was able to fit into a system in right. many ways. While it was tailored for you, uh, it wasn't magic dust. You, you had to do a, a lot of hard work yourself before, before you started on this journey. But uh, after you managed to get up to consistent exercise, I started to challenge you in different ways. And I, right. and, uh, I remember you asking me about triathlon because right. you were surrounded. You saw. Well, I started with you and I wanted only to run. And that yeah. was my goal to run. But everyone else around me was swimming and riding bikes. And I remember telling you, I've decided not to focus on running. I want to learn everything. And you said, okay. And we started, uh, I, you know, I was doing, uh, classes at shift. And uh, I couldn't join uh, the squad. I couldn't swim. Well, well before you go there, yeah. I wanna, let, let's get the groundwork first. How good were you as a swimmer and, and bike rider? 
oh, that, like, give, yeah, give me your I'm, grounds there. Well, you weren't you, running. Right, so well, hold we on, I wasn't running. running. Right, if you can imagine, you know, the way women swim in European countries, they don't want to get their hair, hair wet, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how I was swimming. <laughs> my first, my first uh, plan with swimming You wrote some things that I couldn't even understand. Let's just, I, I'm not a swimmer, I couldn't read the plan. But I do remember doing 10 laps in one hour with five minutes between each. T so hang on, let me, let me rephrase. 10 laps. Yes, in over one the hour. Of an hour. With, with five minutes break between each. Th that's not going to make the cutoff in most races, Marina. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And, and cycling. Non-existent. Cycling, I haven't done for years. When I was in about 17, there was an accident, and I was involved in it, and I was just terrified of bikes. So for so many years, I never even came next to the bike. And, and of course, you weren't training. You were using it as a mode of transportation when you were 17, because you, right. you weren't allowed to exercise. Right. It right. was just a, a, a way to get to, from right. point A right. to point B. Right. Yeah. And when we were starting the triathlon journey, you still couldn't run. Right. So, um, although you had, you had a, a running background a little bit, but we go from there. So let, let's go through the swim, the bike, the run and, and, uh, the integration, because, uh, I think this is fascinating from the standpoint of the progression to performance, the journey that it takes. Right. So, uh, so our swim squad in San Francisco has several lanes with professionals at one end, very fast down to the far lane, which I refuse to even give a number designation world, I call war, it world, war, world war ii so uh that the swimmers in there yeah. are not to the level where they deserve to be labeled under a lane number uh, you were not allowed in the squad mm -hmm. you, you literally uh you were unable to swim in the squad right. and uh, how, how long was the journey there i think probably a year uh you gave you gave me a number and you said if you can swim that number you can join the squad And I remember taking classes from some swim instructor at some college, and I was giving her the number, and I was saying, that's the number I need to get to. So she started teaching me with, you breathe every six stroke. <laughs> 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 I remember telling you that, and you said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you yeah. need oxygen. Yeah, so, uh, so I patiently tried and tried and uh, until one day I did get in. And you're, uh, and you came in the squad and then the biking. I mean, for the first year or so, you weren't riding outside. No, for the first year, I was not riding outside. And then eventually you pushed me out outside. And I was lucky enough that two girls from Shift, uh, Debbie and Tracy, they were really worried about me being outside. I was, I was not, I was so scared to be outside that I was not aware of my surroundings. I was not aware of cars. I was not aware of anything. My, my hands would be white and I would just keep upright. And so the girls, even though I would go, I would be like nine miles an hour speed. And the, these two girls are so much stronger than I am. They would be in the back of me trying to make sure I didn't get hit by a car and continued screaming get off the road get off the road yeah it was and, and the, the, when we magnify that point out that's actually very common because we talk a lot to regular triathletes with the importance of becoming really at home on your bicycle where it right. becomes really intuitive so that you can be really aware of your surroundings going into potholes seeing right. cars at junctions and things like that but when you are really fearful and ill-equipped to be a master of your machine That's where all your focus is. So, and, um, yeah, Debbie and Tracy, fantastic part of the Purple Patch community as well. Right. And, uh, and, and a huge, huge contributors to, to your journey globally. So, so you started riding and, um, you started to improve. And then, of course, because we couldn't make the story any better, you broke your pelvis. Yes, I did. And so, so tell me about that. What happened? Uh, how did you break your pelvis? Uh, I like, Uh, riding my bug in Napa because Napa Silverado Trail has big, large uh, bike lane and it's beautiful. So I was at, on that trail two weeks, two weekends in a row. And uh, this, the second weekend when the accident happened, I was actually 30 minutes faster. It was such a beautiful day. I was so happy. It was raining and I was fine. I wasn't scared. And there is this car that just closed my bike lane and I had to pass the car so I went around the car and 
At that time, I didn't have a good bike, my old bike, and it was just too stiff. And uh, I slipped on the white lane, paint lane. Yep. Yeah, and I fell. I hit my head. I broke my pelvis in two places, and I uh, had a, a tailbone fracture. Goodness me. And, uh, and I drove myself home, too. Well, of course you did. You're Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I've got to ask now, uh, of your journey so far, the last few years being on your bike, how many times have you turtled <laughs> on your bike? Turtling being a little tip over. So not the, that's obviously a major crash, and it took some rehab, which we navigate through. But right. you have quite a collection of what hundreds, we call hundreds, hundreds yeah. li- literally hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. hundreds times. So every so, time. So with my old bike, uh, again, it wasn't a great bike, and... Uh, I generally would fall when I would start <laughs> pedaling. It, it wasn't major or anything. I would just start pedaling and didn't clip in in time. There was always something. So thank God, Laurence Beanie, uh, she went shopping with me and she picked a better bike and I haven't been falling since. Okay, so but, but yeah. it wasn't the stage in the, the initial years, really. Every time you rode your bike, you were falling off your bike. Yeah. And, and yet... There was never a question of you. Did you ever feel like uh, quitting or giving up? Yeah, after I broke my pelvis because it was such a major injury. And it was major not only to recover from, but it was major in terms of I couldn't walk my dog. I couldn't go to work. I was walking with a walker. I couldn't cook. I couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. And that became like I didn't want to go, go for that again. So I think for maybe five months after that, I kept thinking, well, if I'm not a triathlete, who am I? And then I was thinking, well, maybe I'm a trail runner. Maybe I can run, run 50Ks or something like you that. Sure? Yeah, yeah. And then um, that's when the value of a good coach is because you kept sending me my plans. And I think it took about five months And when the doctor released me to ride again. And I would see in my plan optional bike ride. You totally ignore it. Totally ignore it. It was optional one time, optional another time, and then capital letters, get out on the road. (laughs) I'd had enough. At a certain stage, I'd had enough. Yeah, yes, get on the road. And how was that first ride? I mean, it must have So first ride, I went to a parking lot. Okay. And I was doing figure eights and uh, riding my new bike. I loved my new bike. Mm -hmm. This is my first time riding it. And I really loved it. I sent you an email and I said, hey, I'm riding my bike. And I get my new plan. And the next weekend, it's 25 miles. And the weekend after that, it's 50. So I went from parking lot to 50 miles in three weeks. Yeah, and, and from a coaching standpoint, that was me going for the jugular, basically. And like, you're going to get over this and yeah. it's going to go happen fast. Right. And we, we can't mess around. We right. have to get there. Nothing to do with physical load, all to do with, uh, with building confidence right. and stretching yourself and... Um, and you did that. And, and in short order, you joined us at a, at a training camp. You think about yes, these yes. Uh, training camps. How, how was that experience? Well, uh, it, was, it was a great experience because, I mean, it's three days and you learn so much in three days. I remember on the first day you were pushing me up a hill. <laughs> Rumor has it I almost killed you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't expect someone pushing me up the hill. I got scared. So that was the first day. And the second day, uh, Michael, another assistant Purple Patch coach, he, he drove me to a place on a hill, and he said, now you ride. I was amazed. I go, really? So I started riding, and then you showed up, and you were riding with me mm-hmm. for the next mile. And trust me, it was so difficult, and I so wanted to quit, but you were next to me. I couldn't quit. And I finished that right. It was a steep hill. It was, yeah, and I did okay. And uh, after that, I was fine with all the rollers and all the races, Weinman and Santa Rosa, because once I learned how to do it once, I was able to do it again and again. And and let's talk about the the squad a little bit, because you're immersed in the Purple Patch squad in San Francisco. And I mentioned before, you know, we have in in every session, we have some very elite people. In fact, you sit next to Dirk, who was fourth place in the Hawaii Ironman in his age group and uh, just last year we have professionals in there was were, were the elite athletes a source of intimidation for you when you when you were starting Did they... no no absolutely not I think they sort of like adopt you mm-hmm. and they try to help you and they try to teach you uh Laurence she was teaching me how to swim 
She was teaching me how to bike. She went shopping with me for the bike when I was, you know, when I was buying a bike. When she was injured, she would ride her scooter next to me when I'm climbing a hill, screaming at me, what are you thinking now? What are you thinking now? And I was actually thinking about someone else. Why is it so easy for him and so hard for me? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So and she was bringing me back to the moment so I could focus on my own. Uh, what you could control. Yeah, what I could control. And... Uh, and of course, Debbie and Tracy going with me on all the rides, uh, yeah. f- especially for the first year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah Piampiana um, emailing me before races, if I'm okay, and do you need anything? Uh, giving me a necklace that said belief for Christmas. I mean, I love that necklace. So it, it's special. And Laura Sidal giving me a card, encouraging me, encouraging me before a race. So I've never found that they were intim- intimidating. They're just wonderful group of people. That's fantastic to hear that, that, that they're so supportive of you. And um, I think that's something that I'm really proud of, as sort of the, the leader or the coach of Purple Patch, is this sort of co-connection between... Uh, any level of athlete and it's actually more about the desire to improve which is the thing that gains respect in many ways rather than what level you are which is really important but we bring you here to this point we've, we've talked about tragedy we've talked about your your journey into chronic fatigue and coming out of it uh you started at 240 pounds uh how much weight uh how much weight did you lose? 105 pounds. 105 pounds. 105 pounds lighter. Now it's the point that we can tell about glorious success. So we enter the first half Ironman or Ironman 70.3, and it was a fantastic, glorious finish, yes? <laughs> it was a finish. I finished the race. <laughs> Just <laughs> but, not in the cutoff. <laughs> yeah, but was disqualified because uh, I missed the swim cutoff for, by one minute. Goodness me. And was that devastating or what was yes i was so disappointed especially because i made the mistake you told me not not told all of us not to make that you don't follow someone else's feet because you don't know where they're going and and they they decided to not go they were not going straight (laughs) they were not going where i needed to go and uh but ultimately i man wisconsin that was your that was your first finish and you 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 got back on the horse as it were and and yeah I, i was disappointed for I, I think we all like you, we get a week of feeling bad. You say a day, but sometimes it takes some of us more. Yeah. You know, you take a week to feel bad for yourself, sad for yourself, and then you just start over again and train for another race. And now you're you're an athlete. You're a yes. purple patch athlete. You're you're training. Uh, you're guided by Matt Hurley, my assistant coach, and uh, and thriving and continue to evolve, continue to improve, and have lofty ambitions. Uh, and I think uh, I think we can say it, your your ambition is to finish an Ironman. Yeah. Uh, but I want to I want to take a tangent. A okay. Bit. I want to talk about the athletic mindset okay. a little bit, and I want to go big picture. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned that you'd lost 105 pounds uh, from there, but I want to go to some of the other impacts that you've experienced by adopting that athletic mindset, and so. This methodology, really having a focus where we are focusing on nutrition, integrating strength, a smart and appropriate training program for you, not just obsessively running a marathon before you get ready for a marathon, and of course, uh, <laughs> focusing on sleep and recovery. What, what's it? What, what's it done to you beyond making you leaner and, and allowing you to finish a half Ironman? Let's go bigger picture. What? Well, I think I mean it's a wonderful way to live. A life when you wake up in the morning and you spend it with people you really like and who are uh, who are great, who are fun, who encourage you, who support you. We laugh. I mean, having Angus in my lane. I mean, we laugh a lot, right? Sure. And it's uh, I am more confident. I have more energy. I I can do more things at work. I'm a better person. I'm a better mom you know, to my daughter. So I think it's, I don't see a negative at all. It's all positive. And do, do you, you, you really feel like it's, it's sort of a, a grounding moment for confidence, yeah? Um. Yes, and also I think it's, uh, it gives balance to my life. Because if I wouldn't be doing this, then I would probably be working, working more. 
Sure. Yeah, of and I and this way I I take I mean I even when I negotiate jobs now I always negotiate I mean it's as important to me the company the management team the salary the benefits what time I start and when I was looking for my job this job I was uh, when if someone would say you start at eight o'clock I would never even go for my second interview because that was non-negotiable and um, I was Recently, a couple of months ago, someone I used to work with approached me and gave me a big raise, but I would have had to quit PPL, you know, Purple Patch, and that was not an option. So I, that's how I look at it right now. That that's how important it is. It's um, it's amazing. How, how do you uh, how do you carry carry the burden of being uh, uh, a source of inspiration? Is uh... I'm not. I'm just an athlete who is passionate about being better, that being today better than yesterday. And that's it. It's just, uh, I love, uh, I think recently I just, I mean, I just swam the fastest I've ever swam. Sure. How can you not be happy about that, right? Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. You're, uh, the, the one thing on your journey, one, and it's sort of a personal question, but I think that it would have been easy for for this journey to be uh, about your tragic loss right. and your and your journey of performance. But as I hear it, as I, as I hear you talk about it, it's actually a very personal journey for you, right. which is really refreshing in many ways. It's uh, it, that has happened to you in your life. It's obviously a terrible incident, but. Uh, your journey is really yours to own. It, it doesn't feel like it's something that's sort of a makeup for something lost in many ways. Is that is that a uh, is that accurate? Well, it's. Uh, I mean, it is my journey. It's my life. It's. Um, it's sad. I mean, losing a child. It's. It's unimaginable. Something unimaginable to go through. Mm-hmm. But. I think sport in a way, running in a way, saved me. Saved me from sadness for the rest of my life. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not the same person now that I was when I lost a child. They usually say you're, it's, it's, it's before and after you're different. But that being said, I think sport has given me so much, you know, and, and purple patch, you know, purple patch, community coaching. You know, you talk about coaching. The and without being too gushing on our praise uh, of um, of our relationship, but you are goal driven. There is yeah. no doubt. And uh, where do you see this? This is a question that I ask my professional athletes. So I now ask you the same question, which is, what's the value of coaching? I'm going to talk about from my personal personal side. Uh, you were my coach for many, many years, so I'm going to start by when I joined PPF. Um, I was overweight. I was afraid to push myself because exercise had made me feel worse for a very long time. And you personally knew when I was scared and you pushed me through my fear and comfort zone. Um, I remember uh, one time I received two workouts. This was the very first time you gave me two workouts. One was, a, I believe, a walk, and another one maybe a 30-minute swim. I don't know. Sure. And it scared me to death because not only am I, am I trying to absorb one workout a day, now it's two. So I send you an email, and I said, how do you know that I can do this? And you responded, if it's in your plan, and I said so, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I was a real charmer to you in those days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And, I, and it was true. And I started doing two workouts a day. And, I mean, I would have never pushed myself this way, this fast, the way we went through. Um, you're a teacher, and you always teach every class and every swim. You 
always believed that I could do things even though I couldn't do. An example would be Santa Rosa 70.3. They changed the course, and I'm watching on a video that it's a three-mile descent and one-mile climb. It's totally got anxious, and I email you, and I say, oh, my God, there is... I mean, I've never done this before, right? And you were so... You said, it's not... Descent is not bad, and climb is not steep. <laughs> we'll practice. We can do it. And, yes, I did it, and I did the race. So what would you say to someone who's intimidated to start their own journey, that are maybe sitting there that are... Are contemplating, but they they just feel the intimidation. What would you say to someone? Well, I think you need to find a program like I found Purple Patch that has education, and it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner who's never done anything. I've never done biking or swimming, or you're someone who's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Purple Patch it teaches you nutrition and swimming skills, and biking skills, and running skills. And it gives you a training plan, and gives you coaches to speak to and ask questions. So you have everything possibly that you need. It has a community that if you can do this alone, you can always join the community of athletes who are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you will always be supported, and you'll always be helped. And there is, when I was running 30 miles a week, and doing crazy amount of classes. If I had Purple Patch as my coach, if I had you as my coach, I would have never gotten sick. Because someone would have seen what was going on. I'll give you an example. Recently in December, I went through a stressful period in my life, and I think you and Matt Hurley looked at my data and, and figured out that I was flat and I wasn't improving. And all of a sudden, my workouts were cut in half, 50%. For two months, I was screaming, I was kicking, I was not happy. And, But, you know, at the end of the day, two months later, I'm improving in everything again. So if I would have had that when I got sick, it would have been a different story we would have been talking about. Yeah, and what's really come out in what you said there and what you said earlier was it's... it's uh, it's a guide, a framework, uh, but it has to have education and, yeah. and hopefully community as well. It's right. so important. It takes a village in many ways, especially if you're, if you're just starting your journey. And, well, uh, I, I feel accountability is huge. If mm -hmm. you're, you know, you need to have someone to, you need to have someone who gives you a plan and you need to have someone who can, you can ask a question. Sometimes you don't know the right answer and you need someone who understands. You know, and uh, and sometimes you need support. It's not always. Do am I motivated to go to class? Not always. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> and but I know if I get up and go to a gym, there will be a coach, there will be a friend, there will be somebody who will make me feel better. Well, I want to point out that you're only still on the program because you've got reasonably good taste in music. Yes, and, thank you. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, you would be struck off. Yeah. But uh, it's 2020. We fast forward two years. What's the version of Marina that we're going to see in 2020? What are your goals? Uh, I want to continue learning. I want to continue to learn to swim, to bike, to run faster. I want to just thrive. I mean, this is, I'm not, it's not about racing. It's about living and living healthier life and uh, uh, being a healthier, growing older. Learning makes me feel young. That is an elite performance mindset. Yeah and uh, learning growth fantastic yeah. so marina thank you we have one more thing to do yes uh, something that you don't know it's the quick fire questions yes you've got to go through and you probably know the rules by now you okay. have to be succinct one word one sentence <laughs> it's, it's impossible for me it's tough for you okay so we're going to go through i'm going to rattle them off okay and uh by now you might already start to know these but here we go you ready we're going to finish these all right number one What's the biggest challenge time-starved high performers face? Getting enough sleep. Number two. What's your number one performance habit to help daily energy? Listening to music when um, I'm running. When you're running. Or biking. Oh, uh, biking. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess number three might answer itself. Training. Listen to music, focus on the task, or troubleshoot work problems. Uh, I can do actually all three. 
<laughs> Depends on the day. Okay, the one of the, one of the two percent of multitaskers. I like it. What do you wish you had more of? Uh, money. Money. All right. Training. Fly solo or surround yourself with a crowd. Crowd. I know the answer to that one. Name one to two characteristics of an elite performer that you see across disciplines. Tunnel vision and uh, determination. Determination and tunnel vision. Who has been your biggest mentor, performance or not? It's you and Kate. Okay. Number one tip for travel. Pillow or a jacket behind your back. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Marina, I want to thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, and being so open. And uh, and I think by sharing your story, hopefully, it's a catalyst that there's one or two or ten people that decide to to get active and do something and and adopt an athletic mindset even though when they're starting they're nowhere near the podium maybe even nowhere near walking up a flight of stairs because before you know it you can uh, you can be a half Ironman finisher that's going on the journey to become an Ironman finisher well you know I always have hope because maybe in 20-30 years if I continue training I might be on the podium you never know you never know there you go thank you so much thank you and uh, you need to get home because you've got a hard bike class in the morning and laziness will not be tolerated. Okay, sounds good. Take care. Thank you, bye. Well, thank you, Marina. And guys, that is a special woman, the epitome of gumption. And by the way, when you're hearing a story, you might assume that I've gently caressed Marina's way to improvement, but nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I have to say, above all athletes I've coached, I've probably set standards and expectations higher than most. In fact, I treat Marina no differently than I treat my pros. There are no gifts, there's no time for complacency, and there's no opportunity for lovey-dovey nurturing. I challenge Marina more than any other amateur I've coached, and she's had to earn respect and the compliments, and she gets them in sparse amounts. Every piece of praise that I've given Marina has had to be earned, and it created a runway that's enabled her to ultimately go on for success. I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you're inspired. As ever, thanks for listening. A quick reminder, this week and this week only, get your purple patch kit if you'd love it. And I really thank you. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. It's your best way to keep up with everything purple patch. Until next time, I'm Matt Dixon. See you for the next episode. Take care. To learn more about Purple Patch Custom Triathlon Programming, our upcoming training camp in South Carolina, or to order Matt's latest book, Fast Track Triathlete, visit purplepatchfitness.com. Plus, now through April 6th, that's also where you can order your Purple Patch Cycling and Triathlon gear, purplepatchfitness.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. We'd love it if you would review subscribe, rate, and share. Thanks.